I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to... Two girls watch TV. That's that's it. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> hello, everyone. <laughs> oh my God! Hello. hello. I'm Dan. <laughs> What's? <laughs> you got me too riled up. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. I'm hello. Danielle. And I'm I'm Cena. Hello. <laughs> we're coming in with a lot of energy because we don't have an opening. <laughs> We don't have a good transition for this one. We don't. We don't. We don't. I don't. I don't. Do you? I don't. I don't. It's hard. I don't like metal. So. (laughs) I, I, I'm indifferent towards it. Metal and country are like. Those are the two genres you stay away from. That ain't it for me. You know? (laughs) Um, oh, I was allergic to metal for the first 18 years of my life. Does that count? (laughs) I got my ears pierced with every kind of metal, and one time they swelled up so much that I had to get my earring surgically removed. <laughs> that count? It was very painful. How old were you? The first time I got them pierced, I was like six months. Then I got them, I probably got them pierced four times. The last time was when I was 18, and then it was like everything went away. And the time before that, I was 10. So like they say, every eight years, your body totally changes. When I was 10, my mom's like, all right, I have a plan. I'm like, (laughs) what is happening? All right, we're going to get your ears pierced. And we're going to take out the stud right away. And we're going to shove a hoop in. I'm like, I don't want to shove it. At 10 (laughs) years old, I knew better than to shove anything anywhere. And she's like, no, 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 it's going to work. Literally, my ears were swelling on the ride home oh man from this yeah and um so much so that like as she was taking out the earring the hole was closing up like almost instantly yeah yeah it was yeah it was bad and then I was like we could just we could just not do this (laughs) like I guess I'll just keep wearing clip-ons like a little old lady yeah you know what there's a time and a place for clip-ons yeah, but clip-ons weren't in for us in the 90s, Danielle. That's true. That is true. Fun fact, so. I did not get my earrings, my my ears pierced until I was 15 years old, I want to say. No. Probably. No, I think I was 13. I think I was 13 when I got my ears pierced. Because That's my cool. mom got wanted me to have the decision to get my ears pierced or not. She didn't want to do it oh. to me as a little kid. Isn't that nice? My mom was like, hey, shut up and shove this in your face. (laughs) All right. At six months, I was like, all right, let's fucking go. (laughs) Six months. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I got mine done at Claire's. That's how you know that it was early 2000s. Well, I'll tell you. So this is is very interesting. I wanted to get this. What is this? What am I holding right now? Cartilage. Cartilage. Yeah, but it's not this. It's like a special cartilage piercing. I don't know. Like halfway down your ear? I don't know. 
I wanted it to be cool because I part my hair on the side like an like a millennial, but now I part it in the middle, so there's no reason for me to get it anymore. But I was going to get that, and then I found out that it would take a year to heal that particular piercing, and I was like, I'm not. Who has that kind of time? I should have done this before the pandemic. Then I would have had a year to just sit home and take care of it. I don't have time for that now. So I think I'm at the point where I'd rather get my septum pierced than another piercing on my ear. So I had my rook pierced and I had it pierced when I was a, it was my first day of sophomore year of college. I got it done. And I said, first day of school, first day of school, wake up, wake up. It literally, like, my roommate and I were going to pick up our books, and then we walked past the piercing place, and we're like, you want to go get a piercing? Okay, sure, let's go do it. So I got my rook pierced, which is the piece of oh. car- cartilage. Oh, did you, did you go to Piercing Pagoda? <laughs> no, I went to, I don't know, some place in New Brunswick. I don't, oh. I'm freaking now. Anyway. Uh, yes, much, much less sketchy. <laughs> so I got that done, and I kid you not, it had to have been a solid five years and then all of a sudden the friggin thing gets infected five years five years and it got infected i was like are you kidding me and it was so bad and i was like you know what i think this is the universe telling me that i'm not a child anymore and i gotta take my ear piercing out so i took it out and now i i kind of miss it though i've literally had this nose ring in for a year like, once the pandemic hit, I was like, this is my pandemic nose ring. We're done. I don't have to take it out. Where am I going? It's rose gold. It's basically the color of my skin. Where am I going? Honestly, I forgot you got your, had your nose pierced. Sometimes I forget. And I'm like, what is this thing? Oh, yeah. There's metal in my face. There was a time in uh, college where everyone had their nose pierced except me. My nose is too big. I don't need to draw any more attention to it. <laughs> It would not look nice with a ring in it. Oh, God. Well, I was thinking, I was like, should I get the other side of my nose pierced? And then I was like, no. You could do a double nose piercing on the same nose. I could. I could do the double ring. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I gotta do something. All I I knew... Something crazy. All I knew is when I got the rook done, I just felt... I felt the, like, crunch of the cartilage when it went through, and I'm like, ah, okay, you know what? I already did it, but I'm good. I don't need to get any more piercings. (laughs) Uh, well, all right, it's done, I guess. (laughs) It happened, it's fine, but I'm not about to, I'm not about to rush to get that feeling of the crunching cartilage again. Talk about re-examining consent. (laughs) Uh, ooh, well, all right, it's done, so here we are. (laughs) But I think this is the last time I'm getting anything else pierced. <laughs> this is the last time I can send to this. <laughs> oh, well, we figured something out, right? Well, le- so I've thought about getting a tattoo, but I feel like it would take too long. But speaking of tattoos... Oh, they don't take long. I'm, I'm ready to get one, so <clears throat> let me know. Are you going to get a giant no written on your hand? No. Yeah, or maybe like- a, co- a cockroach behind the ear. Why would I do that? Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Because... I know what you're doing. I know, I know. You know what I'm doing. I know what, I know what you're doing. Okay. I'm, I'm on to you. I'm trying to transition. We talked about metal for the last fucking ten <laughs> minutes. I think we figured it out. 
Do you think our listeners can hear us if we whisper? I think they do, and I also think we're getting the E, because I said fuck now like three times. I I was six months old, and I said, are you fucking kidding me? Let's fucking go. I was six months old, and I said, let's fucking go. (laughs) Just... Just me. Just like baby Stina. <laughs> baby Stina. Bald, bald, bald baby Stina. Oh, complete bald with like earrings. I was basically you ready to be a hitman as a six month old. Bald with earrings. <laughs> Why did your mom never put like a fruit on your head and made you go as like Chiquita Banana? <laughs> They used to call me Melonhead. That was enough. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. 30 years later. 29 years later. To be exact. Still 29. Oh, my goodness. Well, if you couldn't tell by the ears and the metal, um, we're going to talk about the sound of metal. And Danielle and I had zero transitions. So, naturally. um, A tangent ensued. Yeah. So, we got it out of the way. We did. I guess. It's, it's, it's cutting. <laughs> Please. You think we got our tangents out of, out of us for the rest of this episode? I don't know. I don't think I so. Know. All right. All right. Well, we'll see. So this is very exciting. It's an Amazon Prime original, so you can watch it on Amazon Prime. You don't need the unlimited package. Just regular old Amazon Prime will do. I feel like we haven't done an Amazon Prime original since upload. Am I wrong? No, I think you're right, because the only other, was it The Great? Oh, no, that's a Hulu original. That's a Hulu original. I'm no, thinking... I wanted to do that Jack Ryan with John Krasinski, but we never did it, and I was also, like, never nominated for anything. <laughs> oh, we, we were going to do The Marvelous Miss Maisel, and we never did that. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. They were all on the cutting room floor right now. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the last things I've watched on Amazon Prime. I watched The Wilds, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's it. I, I never really watch Amazon Prime Originals, but this was a very good Amazon Prime Original. It was. So am I going to go into the nominations? Please. So at the Golden Globes, it had a single nomination. Riz Ahmed was nominated for Best Actor, a- a- actor, actor in a Drama Motion Picture. <laughs> Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I am. I was just drinking coffee as you said that, and I... I'm good. At the Academy Awards, which is on Sunday. This is coming out on Friday. This is going to be out. The Academy Awards is Sunday. This Sound of Metal is nominated for Best Picture. Riz Ahmed is nominated for Best Actor. This is nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Best Supporting Actor, Paul Racy. Um, Best Film Editing and Best Sound. I am ready for your summary. The summary? Yeah. Okay. The story of a recovered heroin addict slash drummer in a metal band who experiences permanent hearing loss must find a new way of coping. That's it? That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm about to go into this character list. This may be the shortest character list I've ever done, and I had to, like, beef it up a little bit. So, our main character is Ruben. Actually, first of all, before I get into that, this was directed and written by Dave, uh, Darius Martyr. Our main character is Ruben, played by Riz Ahmed. He's a recovering addict, drummer in a metal band, and lives in his van with his partner Lou, played by Olivia Cook. 
She's the lead singer and also a recovering addict who heavily relies on Ruben for her day-to-day. Ruben goes to live with Joe, played by Paul Racy, who runs a community for deaf addicts. Joe's main goal for Ruben is to stop trying to fix himself and just be content with who he is. Ruben at first hates his time there, but then grows fond of his teacher Diane, played by Lauren Riddleoff, and his housemate Jen, played by Chelsea Lee. See? Short, sweet, to the point. I don't think we have any vets here. I think this is the first time we've seen all these people. Yeah, I I mean, I'm a big fan of Riz Ahmed, and that's going to be blatantly obvious when we get to our highs, but we've never done anything with him as an actor on this podcast. Right. I I thought I saw Olivia Cook in something else, but I, not for the sake of this podcast. I don't think we've seen any of these people before. And then I thought we saw the guy who played Joe, but I guess not either. Paul Racy? No, I don't think so. This is yeah, I don't know. a bunch of newbies. So, this climax. When Ruben first shows up to the community, Joe tells him not to mention his uh, Ruben's desire to get implants to the other members of the community. Uh, the community is built on the idea that deafness is not a disability. Ruben continues to pursue getting implants by selling all of his musical equipment and his van. Um, he sneaks onto the computer and makes these appointments, and eventually he gets the hearing implant surgery. When he comes back, he asks Joe, A, for money, and then B, if he can stay there for four weeks until the implants are turned on, and Joe tells him no. He lost his trust. He lied to him. He cannot stay there. Once the implants are turned on, we begin to hear what Ruben is hearing, a distorted and robotic-sounding world, obviously not what he was expecting. He flies to Paris to see Lou, who has changed significantly. She is much happier and much more self-sufficient than we saw in the beginning of this movie, and Ruben does not feel a part of her life anymore. Their dynamic has changed, and when he suggests them buying their van back, working on their album, and touring again, Lou begins to itch as she did in the beginning. He knows that it cannot go back to the way it was. We see Ruben leaving his girlfriend's home and walking around the city. We hear things the way that he hears them as he navigates his way to a park bench. He sits. Suddenly, we hear a horrific sound, the ringing of church bells, but through his static-filled implants. He can't stand the sound much longer, so he takes them off. Ruben finally learns to sit in silence. Such a good so ending. So I'm going to say one thing here. Okay. This was probably, so for those of you who are who have lo- are longtime listeners, LTLs, right? We, this is probably the most seamless we've ever transitioned from the climax <laughs> to the ending. Like literally, <laughs> as you were done, I was like, oh shit. He's leaving his girlfriend's home. That's the next thing that happens. Sometimes there's like stuff in between that isn't like necessary. So we won't bring it up. But this was like, I guess because it, the way that they went about this whole movie was like very simplistic. It was a, it was a problem and they were just navigating the trials and tribulations of that problem. But there wasn't like, they cut a lot of like, they trimmed a lot of fat here that could have easily been like thrown in. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I yeah. Also, we've just become pros at it after eighty-one episodes of doing this. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. The fun. 
will never stop. The fun will never stop. What does what's the IMDB rating? A seven point eight out of ten. The metas the Metacritic meta score is an eighty two, so it's labeled as a Metacritic must see, and the user score was a seven point nine, so it was high all around. It's even higher on Rotten Tomatoes because the critics gave this a 97% and the audience gave it a 91%. So yeah. high, high, high rated movie. I know I said this last week, but I'm going to say it this week too. <laughs> I think this might win for best picture. I don't know. I, I feel like Nomadland is favored. Yeah. And... That's true. I feel like this movie and Nomadland are so similar, but also so different. I don't know about similar. I mean, I, I maybe in the sense of like we're we're learning. I feel like know? in the sense of it's it's based on like a single person and their journey and them oh. like learning more about themselves in that respect. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I said it like with every I said it with Nomadland and then I said it with Ma Rainey's and then and now I'm saying it with the uh, Sound of Metal so I don't know we'll see <laughs> maybe we'll... I'll say it about all of them that's true I'm surprised that this didn't get nominated at the Golden Globes for Best Drama Motion Picture I'm very surprised that, well that's so that's part of the reason why I think it might win I think it might sweep I don't know I don't know I don't, I don't know. know but what else was nominated i always forget okay hold on one second for best picture yeah at the academy awards yeah the father oh my god there's so many the father judas and the black messiah mank minari nomadland promising young woman the sound of metal the trial of the chicago seven so at this point we've seen one two three four of them mm -hmm. one, two, four, five, six, and there's eight so I don't know. I know. Um, I don't. I, I, so far from what we've seen, I think maybe. I think maybe the sound of metal. I don't know. Out of so out of the four we've seen, Mank, mm -hmm. Nomadland, Sound of Metal, Trial of the Chicago Seven. Which was your favorite? The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Okay. But that's because I really like humor. <laughs> and that's the, that's the comic relief and that really made that movie, like, amazing to me. I feel, I feel like maybe it's just because I watched this just now. No, I think it, mine would be Sound of Metal. I favored it the most out of everything. But I, I'm basing it off of I felt myself fully invested in the movie. But in which one? Sound of Metal. Oh, that no, I definitely felt that way. Also, I I would like to point out that I <laughs> we're doing a quick fixes in the same episode. I messed up. I said that uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was nominated for um, Best Picture, and it was not. No. But I think I said it was gonna be it was gonna win for Best Adaptation. The screenplay. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it winning for that. I think it was, and I think Chad, oh, Chadwick Boseman, I said that he would win. Yeah, I think he's going to win the Oscar for Best Actor in a Leading Role. However, Riz Ahmed gave an amazing performance. He did. Yeah, no, this was, this was very, 
very good. It do you was wanna, very natural. Do you want to read your review? I will. An 8 out of 10. <laughs> Not perfect, but real enough. As a person going deaf, this movie means a bit more to me than the average person. The loss of hearing is a sensory device, a part of us, which when loss is overwhelming to deal with and often de debilitating to the point of extreme suffering of the mind. The sound of metal is a good play on words because the main character has to deal with the loss of his quote unquote metal music. But later that word comes to mean something else which you will need to watch the movie to discover. It's important because it brings to life the idea of what you hear is never the same. When you hear something as a child, but then hear it again 50 years later, the sound you think you hear is not the same, but similar enough to evoke memories. We live in a world of sensory overload. Enjoy the silence when it comes to you. I just felt like his award needed to be like on a plaque with like a sunset in the background. It's just like one large inspirational quote. I mean, that was a really good review. It was very uh, poetic. I never thought about that, actually, that things sound different to you as you age. Very interesting. All right, so this is a three and a half out of five star review. And I picked this review because I don't agree with it. Word, okay. of, word of warning. This movie is a long one, dot, dot, dot. And it does move along at a slow pace, but the payoff is good, dot, dot, dot. I'm sorry, just dot, dot. I think it could have been even better with a quicker pace. The acting was great as well. It was not just a, quote, past the time, unquote, type of movie, but it was a slow movie. So don't go if you are tired as the slow parts will put you to sleep, but then you want to wake up at the end. So not really sure what this person meant. I think that the main thing here is that he was saying that it was a longer movie and he, it was slow. I did not feel that way whatsoever. I did see it was a two hour long movie. I figured like, ah, that's not like, that's kind of a sweet spot for movies. And I thought that all two hours were worth it. I did not feel like, oh, this is dragging. Why is this happening? So, so slowly, I thought that based on the landscape that they were working with and the idea of sound is so important so just the sound of the world around him was important to capture so there may have been longer scenes where it's like weeds blowing and like a foghorn keeps going off but like no one can hear the foghorn did you notice that in the movie yeah i think um i mean I didn't think that this dragged on. No. I was like, oh, here we go, two hours. But I didn't feel like it... Um, I didn't feel like it dragged on at all because I think them kind of playing with the sound changed the entire... Like, we, were, we watched a scene as to, like, what we expect to hear, what that person hears, and what they're trying to hear. Yeah. And so I feel like the constant change of, like, sound totally changes the scene. I mean... At the end, for example, when he's like walking and he hears like all or at the party, how he hears like all of these things and then like none of these things. And then like it's kind of happening in waves, but then he takes them out and it's like totally silent. Um, 
What about when I, he hears music for the first time after he got the implants? Because his, because Lou and her dad are like singing and playing the piano, and we're hearing right. it, and it sounds beautiful. And then he's hearing it through his implants, and you're just like, oh. I mean, he bought, he got the implants to do music, but we don't know how he could do music with his implants because it doesn't sound the same way that it did. Yeah, I think that I think that's also kind of like a miniature climax in itself in the movie because it's almost like this great defeat that our main character experiences. He just it looks like he's crying because it's a beautiful moment, but I think the main part of it is he's crying because he's not going to be able to do what he once did. Yeah. His whole thing is about getting back to the way that things were because in reality, he he was a recovered heroin addict. So it was like he hadn't used in four years. So he needs everything to go back to the way that it was so that he can feel comfortable again. Yeah. And it was almost like that level of, I wrote this down as one of my highs, but the fact that they, Joe had this conversation with him and he's like, from what I see, I'm looking at and talking to an addict right now when he came asking him for money and then um, he just has like this very intense look in his eyes, but then also certain qualities of him like sneaking around and breaking into his office to use his computer and his phone um, to desperately try to get back to what he once had because it was the closest thing to like normalcy that he's ever experienced. It yeah. seems. Yeah. And also I feel like it's also getting back to Lou and thinking that Lou is going to stay the same after all this time, but then she hasn't. I think that it was an interesting look at both of their relationships because you can tell that both of them, they, like, they've both been sober for four years and they've been together for four years. So that leads me to believe, they never explain it, but it leads me to believe that maybe they met in rehab, that maybe they met somewhere, but they both chose to be sober but then they kind of, like, their relationship was what, like, it was a codependent relationship. Yeah, I wrote that somewhere in my notes as well. The fact that um, it's almost like he trades in heroin for codependency. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I do like the fact that he as a character in general has so much to work on. Like, the fact of the, the girlfriend and, and uh, the fact that he comes back and asks for money and still has like addict kind of tendencies and the sneaky kind of tendencies. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't a movie where like once he got these implants, it was going to be a cure-all because there were just so many layers to what was happening to him that I'm, you know, I don't wish bad on anybody, even fake characters, but at the same time, it's like, you can't just give him these implants and then like he's totally okay with being sober. He's found a way to adapt into society. He can go back to music and get his girlfriend back. It's like it, I feel like what I really liked about this, other than like the play on words from the title, of course, um, was the fact that he kind of had to like make his own space. Mm -hmm. in the world it wasn't like he could he couldn't go back to where he was he couldn't even go back to the girlfriend anymore because she's trying to catch up with lost time from the father he can't go back to music he can't go back to hearing things the same way anymore he just kind of has to exist in this new space and kind of 
carve something out of it for himself. And also just to be himself, like to just to be okay with himself because all these, all this time he's doing stuff, you know, they're, they're on a tour, they're like playing all these shows, they're trying to make this album, they're trying to do this, they're trying to do that, they're constantly doing, 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 and that's why when he does go to this community, he's trying to do stuff for them, and Joe's like, no, you're not doing anything, you just gotta sit and you just gotta be with yourself, and just the idea of being content with yourself, which is something that I feel like every person struggles with just being content with your own thoughts and just <laughs> Christina raised her hand and oh, just just being being in your own space and not and just being you and just being calm and I think that is a beautiful ending my big high is I love Riz Ahmed I love him so much you have no have idea seen him in before because I don't think I've seen him in anything before the first thing that I saw him in was the night of which i've talked about on the show and i've told you about this yes but i didn't see that it's on hbo it's a mini series and it's about a guy who is wrongfully accused of murder and it is a beautiful beautiful show and he does an incredible job there and he does an even better job here and he is like uh, he, you gotta watch him because I feel like he, this is he. This is a well deserved Oscar nomination, but he he's just gonna keep going. Like I just want him to do more and more stuff because he's so incredible. Did you know that he's British? No, he's British. It's a fake American accent. <laughs> They're always better at it than we are. I know. I'm terrible at a British accent. I'm terrible at accents. Period. Um. One thing that I liked that the director did was that they used his tattoos to depict his inner monologue. I mentioned to you about the giant no on his hand. He has a giant no written on his hand. There's the diner scene where him and Lou are talking and Lou is telling him that he needs to stop touring. He needs to call their, their, I'm assuming their sponsor, Hector, and he's sitting there and his hand is covering his face and you can tell that he's just being stubborn and he doesn't want to do it and all we see is like the look on his face and then we just see the giant no written on his hand so we can tell what he's thinking based on his tattoos i thought it was such like a interesting way to do it i mean it played into his metal persona but also it gave you kind of an idea about what's going on in his own head and i thought that it was an interesting a nice detail did you see that happening with other tattoos? Um, yeah, at the end, um, there was, so at the end, they're, like, in bed, and that's when, like, he's talking to Lou about, um, you know, getting back out there, going back on tour, and then she starts itching, and she hadn't been itching before, and I, his face gives you that look that he's finally realizing, like, he can't, he can't do that like they can't go back and it's very prevalent his tattoo on his chest that says kill me now and you can oh. kind of tell that like no please kill me I please think kill me and i feel like it kind of related where he's like I, in, I mean you even heard it from before where he was like if i don't have lou like i don't know what to what to do and you should just kill me so i thought that maybe that related in a way but i could be wrong interesting I like that little rhyme. What? 
If Darren. I don't have Lou, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I As also... Dave would say, I'm making fun of my fiance now. Anytime I accidentally rhyme, Dave goes, mmm, bars. <laughs> I'm saying it to you. Mmm, <laughs> bars, 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 bro. He doesn't listen. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also loved the moment that he had with his little friend on the slide. I loved when he started. Oh, that was so cute. When he, when that switched and he stopped, you know, being like, I don't know what I'm doing to actually like understanding sign language, like at, at like a, starting to be able to communicate with sign language and starting to communicate with the people in his class. Uh, I was so happy in the m little moment where they were playing drums on the slide. So cute. I loved it. Oh, it was like, it gave me the warm fuzzies. I loved all of it. The warm fuzzies. That's cute. I do like that. Um, what was I going to say? Can I go into my lows? Yeah. Are, I you, are you sure? Yeah, let's go. All right. We never really found out what the illness was. I had a feeling that that was going to be your low. And normally I wouldn't care, but they took a hell of a lot of time showing us doctor's visits and explaining to us what's happening. But we never found out the, the... even if it didn't have a name, we never were actually told the direct cause. Because I know that sometimes if you like lose hair in your ears, um, that could be like a cause of it. They didn't say that it was specifically from the music. They didn't like, they were just like, do what you can to save it. And then all of a sudden it was gone. Yeah. So that there's also a lot of assumption. The, like if you're watching this as an audience member, and again, I did like this movie, but you got to work as an audience member. You're not watching this for free. You got to work. Yeah. So there's a lot of time that goes by and you have to assume you have to make assumptions like a lot. So for example, when he gets kicked out of the community, he has to figure out how he's going to do that while getting the implants that cost thirty to $40,000, but we see him sell the RV and he only gets 26000 for it. We saw him sell a soundboard. There's no way he got four to $14,000 for that soundboard. So he gets the implants. Well, he also sold his, he sold his drum set, too. He sold everything. He sold he sold it all in one shot, though, didn't he? No, he's, I mean, he gave it to the girl. He, we did see the girl go away with his soundboard, but he was packing up the drum set. So that leads me to believe that he sold the drum set as well. Okay. But again, it plays into your point that, yes, you do need to make a lot of assumptions with things. Right, because he, he was able to pay for the implants, for the hospital visits... And then he was able to afford a motel for like a month and then also be able to afford travel to get to the father. Um, what's her name's? What the hell's her name? Lou. Lou's father's house. So like, where did the money come from? Like, how, cause, and he wasn't working either. Yeah. And he had just gotten kicked out from the one job that he had. So there's a lot to cover. And I'm not saying that I need to see every single piece of it. Because like there are, there are artistic ways to do these kinds of time lapses where as an audience member, I don't have to work as hard, but I do get it. And the reason why I don't want to work as hard is because there's like sentimental values in this movie that 
can tug on your heartstrings or can make you feel invested in other ways. I think when you make an audience member work too much, things that are very valuable can get lost. And I didn't want to lose finally understanding the silence, finally understanding what it's like that you are the cause of the codependency problem with your girlfriend, finally understanding that you'll never be able to hear and appreciate music the same way that you did before. Um, and that everything from this moment forward is going to be different. I didn't want to miss those pieces, but I did have to like stop, walk away. I mean, I did it. I had like, I had to go to the bathroom, but I was like, Oh, I'm <laughs> glad that I did this because I'm thinking about it now. But I don't think if I stopped the movie at certain pieces or rewinded it a couple of times to catch certain pieces, I would have missed out on the pieces that were really crucial because I was busy trying to fill in the pieces. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And like I said, I don't need to see every single piece because I realize that every single one of these pieces might not be interesting or it might be like ridiculously repetitive. Like I don't need to see him in a motel room for 30 days, right? Yeah. But there are artistic ways where we can fill in these gaps um, so that the audience doesn't have to work in that area and can work in the other messages that you're actually trying to portray here because that wasn't the message that you were trying to portray. Yeah, I mean, I did feel like a lot of things were left unexplained, like the fact that, like, you don't know where he's getting the money, how did he book a flight to Paris, how did he book (laughs) doctor's visits without, like, anyone knowing, how did he get to those doctor's visits, like, there was a lot of, a lot of things left open, but I think at the end of the day, I justified them in my brain because that wasn't, like, the main thing that the director was trying to get across to us. Like, we saw that he did it, so in our minds, we just kind of got to, kind of have to be like, okay, it happened, here we are. Right, I, and I agree with you in saying that that's not what the director was trying to get across. I think that those pieces were small, but there was just, I just think that there were so many other, there were so many pieces that were, like, moving and pivotal, mm-hmm. and I'd rather have my brain focus on that. And yeah. I because I feel like that's the takeaway or that's like the crucial moment. I shouldn't have to spend so much time. Like if I'm gonna spend that kind of time, I'd rather be a context clue that takes me somewhere else or something that makes me think of a foreshadowing moment, not filling in blanks. Do you think the van was sort of symbolic? Because, so uh, you find out that Ruben was from a military family. His mom was a doctor in the military, and he did not know who his father was. But he moved around a lot. And do you think that, like, the van with Lou, he mentions that, like, that's my home. So he never really had a sense of home until he had that van with Lou, and selling that was really, really hard for him. Well, right. I think that was the first step of change. But I think for him, it was unintentional change because he was trying desperately to get back to where he was. And we as an audience can see that kind of foreshadowing where it's like you're getting further and P.S. You're getting further and further away from where you want to be. And it, it takes him so much longer to realize it. But that's yeah, it's I think, you know, in terms of getting rid of that life, I think he did it like unintentionally. Yeah. Also, shout out to Nomadland because trailer. (laughs) (laughs) I know. As soon as I saw that they lived in a van, I'm like, what? Is this Nomadland all over again? Take two. (laughs) Did you have any lows? 
My only low was that in the beginning when he first lost his hearing, I felt like there were moments where Lou would say something very softly and they would have this conversation and I felt like Ruben was acknowledging too much based on like how much he could hear. Like, oh, that's an interesting point. It was very, very subtle, and I know it's a difficult thing to do, but I feel like there were, I don't know, I felt like they were communicating, for some, for a person who just lost their hearing, and a person who does not know, like, and two people who don't know American Sign Language, I feel like they were, there was a moment where they were talking and communicating, and it felt like... It sh- they sh- they shouldn't be able to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. It was subtle. It wasn't really anything. This is like a half a low. It wasn't really anything like major, but I just felt like there were some instances and be like, how did he know what she was saying if he can't hear? Right. No, that makes sense. I get it. <laughs> Snack, Snack break. break. So what'd you eat? Uh, my mom brought me this popcorn um, that's already made in a bag, but it's made with coconut oil and pink Himalaya salt. Ooh, what brand? I don't know. It's a big pink bag. I can tell you that. Is it Buddha? Isn't there like a Buddha popcorn brand? I don't think it's Buddha. It's not Boom Chicka Pop either. And yeah, think. that was my next guess. <laughs> but is <laughs> no, it good I, with um, the coconut oil? It, it. You don't really taste coconut. Um, but it, I like pink Himalaya salt because it, it has more of a punch. Mm-hmm. So it's good because it's not what? Salt what is salt. Right salt is no, salt. I find myself using much less pink salt than regular sea salt. I feel like it's like stronger. Also, there's this garlic salt that my mom bought and it literally tastes like nothing. What do you mean it tastes like nothing? I'm cranking and cranking and cranking, and I'm like, Ma, did you did you put salt on this? Did I put salt on this? And Mom's like, I put so much salt on this. I'm like, I don't think the salt tastes like anything, at all. So we threw it out. Wow. I've never had salt do that. Yeah, seriously. So yeah, I don't know. Even when I make like that, like steamed veggies, and I use sea salt, I, I'm usually a little bit more liberal with sea salt, but the pink Himalaya salt, I pull back on a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's because it's like the grinder has like bigger chunks of salt. I don't know. But it's good because, um, you know, when you finally hit a piece that's like really covered in the salt, it like it gets you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you eat? So I'm boring. I just had coffee. But I was telling Christina, like I'm doing I'm trying to cut caffeine out of my diet because it's not good for you so I made some decaf cold brew I have a cold brew maker here in my apartment which Nicholas Mm. so lovely gave me a couple years ago and it's it's nice actually it's like you you steep it overnight and then you just have cold brew it's nice that's cool. Yeah. I still appreciate that you like the taste of coffee. I do. <laughs> and I, even though I've been cutting out caffeine, I have continued to like drink coffee every morning, but I just, just decaf or maybe half calf, depending on the day. Well, apparently the Nespresso machine makes half calf pods. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. When I got a sample box, it was in there. So I, I don't mean, have any more pods, but. I used to be the person that scoffed at decaf coffee. Like, 
decaf and now i'm like i i just need to calm down the co- the calf the coffee make i've just always been someone down. who's like so susceptible to caffeine i've always cut it off at a certain amount of time where i'm not going to be able to sleep and i think that i've just been putting too much caffeine in my body and it's just been making me too wired up and i just need to calm the f down i'm sitting here as i'm yawning after having a large iced coffee yeah no so sorry yeah i definitely have a shirt that says death before decaf but like i won't i won't judge you too hard thank you you're welcome (laughs) so what was your expectation so i knew that this was about a drummer who loses his hearing i did not know that the role of addict what addiction would play into this movie um and i think it made the movie so much more um, I think the codependent relationship between Ruben and Lou was so interesting to see, and I feel like it was something that doesn't you don't get to see in a lot of movies these days anymore. Um, the simple message on learning just to be with yourself, it's so simple, it's so beautiful. I did not expect that aspect to be into it. Um, all in all, I went into it with high expectations because I love Riz Ahmed and I was met with those same high expectations. I thought it was a great movie. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. Um, and yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Good. I thought it was going to be more about the music. Okay. So I thought that it was going to be about him trying to stay invested in the field of music, not, um, I just figured that that would have been more of the root because it was in the title, not necessarily more of him trying to find his own place in the world based on his new situation. Did you have an IRL moment? I couldn't find one. For, <laughs> go figure that we watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom about jazz in the 1920s, and I was able to find an IRL moment in that movie. But in this movie, I cannot find an IRL moment. Well, um, maybe it's not an IRL moment, but maybe it's something that just hit me. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm not really an angry person. I definitely get upset and I get frustrated, but I don't necessarily feel a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. like pure anger you know but like whatever negative emotion that I feel I'm never gonna do that to a donut <laughs> it's just not gonna happen you know like <laughs> no never gonna smash a donut like that no Mm-mm. nope I almost wish it was a jelly donut so that he learned a lesson <laughs> Maybe if it was a jelly donut, he wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have done that if it was a jelly donut. You wouldn't have done that if it was any donut. That's true. <laughs> it's very true. I do love my donut. Oh, my goodness. All right. I think that's... We did everything. We did it. So, um, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hey, It's Two Girls. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Classic Cena. Danielle's on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. We will be posting stuff this week. We're doing something for, we're calling it out at the Oscars. It was going to the Globes and now it's out at the Oscars. What are we, we're going to do the same thing, Instagram Live, right? Yeah. All right. So we're going to do an Instagram Live 30 minutes before again. So 
definitely check out our social media for more details there. And you can also check out the blog, Beer, Coffee, Donuts, and the YouTube channel, Two Girls Drink Beer. Yes. All right. All right, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll catch you on Sunday on the live stream. Bye. Bye. What's up?